At Journey Beyond Divorce, we understand that navigating through the emotional tsunami of separation and divorce is one of the hardest journeys you'll take. And we know that once the initial fear and pain begins to pass, a whole new storm of confusion, uncertainty, and self-doubt can surface. Journey Beyond Divorce can help you identify and clarify where you're feeling stuck and what steps you need to move forward, even if they're just baby steps. We guide you with practical, tangible support that you can start implementing right away. Our team of experienced divorce coaches is ready to help you. Listen through the show because we have a gift just for you. It'll help you navigate your divorce with more calm and confidence. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Navigating Divorce by Journey Beyond Divorce on Divorce Source Radio. I'm Steve Peck. And today we'll be talking about getting your financial life in order after divorce. And now the founder of Journey Beyond Divorce and host of Navigating Divorce, it's Karen McMahon. Hello, Karen. Hi, Steve. We're talking about post-divorce, getting your financial life in order today. And once the divorce is final, most of us are so relieved to have it behind us and so ready to close the door to our divorce, but not too fast. The business of getting your post-divorce financial life in order is a vital step to securing and protecting what you received in the negotiation and in setting yourself up for financial stability post-divorce. So regardless of the amount of money that you're working with, the advice and guidance that you're going to receive today from today's guest will enable you to launch into your post-divorce life with a significant sense of financial peace of mind. My dear friend and colleague, Aviva Pinto, is joining us today, and she's in charge of portfolio management and client service at Braffman Rothschild in New York City. Aviva is a certified divorce financial analyst and has been in the business for over 25 years. And she specializes in working with individuals in transition, and she helps them to determine the best course of action for their financial assets. Aviva's worked with so many of my clients, and she helps to guide you so that you can feel more confident and secure about your future and your finances. So I'm so excited to have you with us today, Aviva. Welcome. Thank you, Karen. It's wonderful to be here, and thank you for inviting me on. Excellent. So uh, before we begin, can you share with our listeners what made you get into the specialty of working with men and women uh, during their divorce? Absolutely. So I got into the specialty of working with people who were navigating divorce because I was seeing more and more people referred by divorce professionals such as yourself. And while you help them navigate the emotional roller coaster, in my experience, most of the divorces are about the money. Many of the men and women I work with are not experienced in managing their finances, and they most of the time weren't the ones who paid the bills or did the investments. Some never worked, others worked but stopped to raise kids or take care of elderly parents. 
So helping these men and women determine the best course of action for their financial assets actually empowers them. And it makes me feel good to give them back that edge that they need after the trauma that they've just suffered through. That's great. And I would say out of all of the things that I coach people around, the greatest fear, no matter how much money or how little money a client has is the financial fears because there's such a sense of uncertainty from the moment that you, you know, hit go throughout the entire process. There's just this incredible sense of uncertainty and not knowing what you're going to have at the end. And what I have found, Aviva, is that most people don't know what they have in the beginning either. So someone might know what the income is or they might know what uh, the monthly bills are, but that whole picture is often very murky. And even the person who's doing the investing may not be the same person who's doing the bill paying. And so it's such a, uh, it, it's such a vital foundation Uh, of security when one is educated and informed, and yet so often people aren't. Totally agree with you. Um, One of the things I, I see all the time is that people sometimes don't even know what their monthly bills are, but even if they do know what they are, um, there's there's so much more that they have to take into account. And even while they're going through the divorce and working with a divorce attorney and putting together their statement of net worth, after the divorce, it kind of hits them, oh my God, this is final, and what do I, what have I done, and what do I really have? And so sometimes when I get clients that have come to me after the divorce is finalized, it's a time for sitting down and saying, okay, this is what your life is going to be like now, and this is where, where you have to start, and this is what we have to do. And so it's very important to take them through step by step, even though they've gone through the divorce, a lot of times it just doesn't hit them until afterwards, oh my God, this is what I need to do now. Absolutely. And I think part of that is that there's so much overwhelm. There's so much emotional overwhelm and data overwhelm and conflict overwhelm during the divorce that no matter how crystal clear you as a professional are in communicating with them, it's like pouring water into a glass that's already full. It's just spilling over, it's splashing all over the table, and very little is being absorbed. And so let's, let's, what I would love to do is go through the show where you're directly speaking to our listeners, just like you would take a client through this post-divorce conversation. And If you're listening in, grab a pen. There's going to be a lot of information shared, and you definitely want to take some notes. And at the end of the show, we'll tell you how you could reach out and connect with Aviva. So what you were just saying and what I alluded to before is, while most people know what their income is, there's so much more to the financial picture. Let's talk to the listeners about the importance and value of at first, uh, starting with creating a post-divorce budget. Great. So budgeting is extremely important, no matter what your financial circumstances. Even if you've got more money than you think you know how to do, what to do with, if you are spending too much of it, 
you know, that's, it's never going to sustain you for the rest of your life. So unfortunately, after divorcing, you have the same or sometimes more expenses with half the resources. People go from living in one house with one electric bill, one fuel bill, to having two of those. And in the past, it could have been that one salary covered everything nicely now one salary will be stretched to cover double the expenses. So it's very important to create a post-divorce budget and see if your current spending can be satisfied with the amount of child support, spousal support, savings, or income that you will actually have after the divorce. And besides the day-to-day monthly expenses such as food and transportation and the rent or the mortgage, it's really important to set aside money for emergencies, for example, household or car repairs that can crop up unexpectedly. And it's also really important to take a look at expenses that you may not have thought about like health care and long-term care and disability. Those are kinds of things that may have been part of a health policy or insurance policy that your spouse had through work that you may not have now. And the other thing I would say is to really watch those credit cards because it's very easy to run up credit card debt if you're not paying attention. So you really need to look at, do you need to scale back on some of the things you used to do in the past? And if you were not previously working, it may be necessary to find employment. So putting together a budget, you're really looking at what's coming in versus what's going out, and is that sustainable for the long term? You know, that's so important. And uh, when I uh, emerged from my divorce, I had a lot of debt. I had debt uh, that... I walked away with from the marriage and I had debt from the expense of the divorce. And for me, uh, one of the most brilliant things that I did was uh, I took the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University course and it talked about exactly what what you just covered and gave uh, forms in detail that when I first looked at it, I was like, oh, wow, I hadn't thought of all of these little pieces that were expenses that maybe they weren't the monthly bills, but they were expenses for the kids and even just what you shop and what you buy for the house and everything. And so the more detailed that we can be in creating that budget, uh, the more practical we can be in, in staying within what our income allows for. And also, with the Dave Ramsey, a big part of it is paying down your debt. And so in order to be able to add that to your budget so that you can, if you're in debt or you're seeing yourself in that position, get out of debt and, and get uh, solidly on two feet. Absolutely. And it's it's also good you know, to come up with a checklist of all the things that you spend money on. And some of this may have been done during the divorce or planning towards the divorce, but really taking a look at things um, like the cash that you take out of the ATM that you're using for just miscellaneous things. Sometimes that can go out very quickly and you don't realize how much you're actually spending. So writing it all down or just taking an inventory of everything that you're spending on is really a good way to stay on track. One of the things we had to do was uh, was just log 
every and the cash is the most important because it's like it just disappears and you're not tracking it. I mean, maybe today people tend to use debit cards more, but uh, to go for a month and literally track everything, like name every dollar and where it went. And that for me was really eye opening. And when you have kids and can I just have ten dollars and I just need this and all of a sudden all the money's gone and you don't quite know where it went. And so that's a really, really valuable uh, practice to engage in. So let's say our listeners have uh, gone through that. They've created a budget. They track their cash. They have a fairly good sense of, of what they bring in and what they spend the money on. Along with the budget comes planning. So even if you and your spouse um, didn't do this, an essential step in order to live free of financial fear is the planning. So can you talk a little bit about financial planning and forecasting? Absolutely. So first of all, I'd like to define what is financial planning. Basically, all it is is a financial roadmap. It'll identify where you're going, how and when you'll get there, how much it'll cost, and things that you can do along the way. And the reason that I think it's very important for somebody to have a financial plan is because it helps you see the big picture. It helps you set both long-term and short-term life goals financially, and it helps you stay on track so that you can meet your goals. The financial plan basically covers a number of areas. The first is your savings and investments. Second is planning for your retirement. Third would be, if you have children, planning for their education. It also looks at having emergencies, like we talked about what happens if you know your roof all of a sudden needs fixing. You know, Is that planned for? Um, it can help you cover things like down payment on a new house or condo, uh, major purchases. You, know, you need a new refrigerator or a car, um, and other financial goals that you have, like maybe you want to move from where you're living now and move to a warmer climate or that type of thing, and you're going to look at how you're going to get there. Is this going to be a second home? Is this going to be a place you're going to spend six months out of the year while you spend six months where you currently are? And it also can look at things like your insurance needs, as we talked about, long-term care insurance and disability insurance are becoming very important, especially because we're living longer lives. Um, And you don't need to be very rich to have a financial plan. No matter how much you earn and at what age, a financial plan can make your life easier. So basically what it'll do is it'll help you define your financial goals. It'll help you to see whether your goals are realistic, especially for your timeline. It'll help you see how you can bring your spending in line with your goals, how and what kind of money mistakes you're currently making. It'll allow you to measure your progress on your financial goals. It can help you find new ways to maximize your money. Uh, It can help you identify risks that you hadn't thought of, and it'll really make you more confident with your money. So what goes into the financial plan? So first of all, you need to identify your financial goals. The questions you can ask yourself include, do you want to leave money for your kids or grandkids? Do you want to be philanthropic and donate to your favorite charity? 
Do you need to purchase a new home? Do you need home improvements? Is there college and grad school tuition on the horizon? Do you need to pay for weddings or grandkids' schoolings? Um, And how much will each of those goals cost? And then the other thing is, when will it occur? Will it happen in the next five years, in the next 10 years, when you're retired? And if it's a recurring goal, um, like, for example, you want to get a new car every five years, you know, how often does it recur? How many years um, is it going to go by? And the second thing, most importantly, is your retirement goals. What will your after-tax spending be when you retire? Will you be living in another state when you retire? What age do you want to retire at? And what do you think your life expectancy is going to be? So those are all questions that you need to put in to start developing. Some of the things that also go in are your income and your expenses. So you have to look at what is your annual gross income, looking at your spousal support and alimony or any income you have from working. You look at what will your Social Security be, um, and maybe you'll be getting Social Security from your ex-spouse. Will you be getting any pension income, and do you have any kind of rental income, that type of thing. And then looking at your after-tax annual spending. And it's important to take into account inflation. And while we haven't had very much inflation over the past number of years, that is something that's going to eat into whatever calculations you do. Because, for example, if you have a child that's going to college, college has been going up at an average of 6% a year. So if you think that an in-state college is going to be, for example, $20,000 per year, 10 years from now, if you have a small child that's going to go to college later on, that could be much, much higher just due to the 6% inflation of college year after year. So that's like so overwhelming. I was just going to say that is so overwhelming to just listen to. And, And I really want to speak to that to our listeners because if you have financial fear, you might want to like turn the podcast off right now. And I just want to caution you that one of the things that I always recommend, strongly, strongly recommend uh, to every single client is that they meet with a financial plan or a financial analyst. And the reason being that you hear Aviva like ticking these things of like, this is her world. This is her life. This is what she's really, really comfortable with. And if you're not, you have two choices. You're going to stick your head in the sand and be really, really sorry down the road. Or you can actually elicit some assistance. And so finding somebody who does what Aviva does, somebody that's trustworthy, that can sit with you and help you to put all these pieces together. And you may not know it all at once, but that's okay because they can help you with that. So important. And the most important thing is if you're going to live a secure post-divorce life, regardless of how much money you have to work with, you need to know what you have, what you need, and what you want so that you know what you're working towards. So even though that was a really long list, you can take it in chunks. And, And Aviva, I'm curious, do you have like a checklist or something that people could access to begin to? Absolutely. I have a uh, financial, getting your financial life in order checklist that basically goes through all of the things that I just mentioned. And it really helps with 
the planning because then you've got everything in one place. And a lot of times when people have gone through a divorce, they will have had to put together their statement of net worth. And those are very, very complicated for a lot of people to put together because it basically asks you to list everything in your financial life. Once you've gone through that then everything else after that is really easy, and I promise that it works much easily once you have all that information gathered. But I do have lists that I can provide of how you can get all of that comprehensive information in one place so that you can feel less overwhelmed. And, and where would someone find that checklist? Um, I can put it up on my website, and we are at www.belr.com. And if you go and you click on Aviva Pinto, A-V-I-V-A-P-I-N-T-O, which is myself, you'll see some of the articles and the checklists there. And we'll be back with more Journey Beyond Divorce after this. We're there right when you need us the most. And we make sure you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips guiding and supporting you between calls to be more effective. I was very fortunate to find Journey Beyond Divorce. I would go searching for any piece of information that could either A, give me more knowledge about the divorce process itself, or B, could talk me down emotionally. And I found that Journey Beyond Divorce was really instrumental in providing both things. One, the guidance of the divorce process itself, as well as talking about self-maintenance and what does the individual need to do to kind of cope with it. Let us help you gain a broader perspective and determine your best next steps with our free Rapid Relief Lifeline call. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call. So now we've like covered covered the budget. We've covered the financial planning, which allows you to do some forecasting and and prepare. What about all of the other financial? What about your financial accounts? Like, what do you have to do around your bank accounts and your credit cards and stuff like that? So the most important thing is to have everything retitled. So if you were one who retained the house in the divorce, you'll have to retitle it in your name only. If you need to refinance it, you would have to qualify on your own. You need to change all bank accounts to be in your name only because otherwise the other person, if it's a joint account, will still have access to your account. And this is your money now. It's nobody else's. So you need to change your name post-divorce. Some women revert to their maiden names. You'll need to update your social security, your passport, your driver's license information. That's if you're changing your name. You need to remove your spouse's name from your credit card accounts and make sure you open a credit card account before removing your spouse because the credit agencies will reduce your credit scores when joint accounts are closed. So to ensure that you'll still have credit open a new card first, check your credit report to make sure that there are no joint accounts that remain, and then get rid of those other accounts. You'll also need to retitle any utility bills, such as your cable, your oil, your gas, phone, etc. Those things are very important to retitle. Um, Go ahead. 
I was just I was just thinking it's like you know I know when I finally finished my divorce I just I wanted to you know put the tap on the box <laughs> stick it stick it in the closet and forget about it and as I'm listening to you there are so many details like there's actually a I would imagine a whole checklist as I'm listening to you of things to go through that uh, after after the the whole process is over I could imagine people just walking away and not realizing all this business that needs to be attended to. Right. There's, there is a long list. Um, the other thing is when you're looking at retirement accounts and life insurance policies, it's very important to change the beneficiaries on your assets. So, for example, it is most likely that your ex-spouse is named on your retirement plan. So your 401k or your IRA, um, your bank and your brokerage accounts and life insurance policy. So it's important that you change those beneficiaries to somebody who you really want to get the assets should something happen to you. And if you have a joint safe deposit uh, account, you need to take your possessions out and get a box in your name only because the other person will have the key to that box and anything in there um, will be open for taking. So I really tell everybody, you know, make sure that when you have your list of all of your assets, Take a look and see how they're titled, who the beneficiaries are, and make sure that your wishes are being met with how you've labeled them. And I think what I what I learned recently is that last piece that you talked about uh, changing the beneficiaries, you actually cannot do that until the divorce is final. Absolutely. And so it's this really... Absolutely. This is only post-divorce. So, you know, if, if you're currently going through the divorce, then just have everything lined up and ready to go so that when the divorce is final, you know exactly what you need to change. But those cannot be changed during the divorce until the court has decided how you're splitting those financial assets. Absolutely. So many people might not think of this next one Uh Yet when we go from we to me, the business of estate planning is all the more important. Can you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. It's very important to sit down with a trust and estate attorney. If you have a will or you have a health care directive, a living will, any kind of power attorney documents, review all of them with an attorney to make sure that they're up to date with your wishes post-divorce. I've seen cases where it was overlooked and the assets ended up going to somebody that it was unintended. So, you know, all the same thing as changing your beneficiaries on your assets, those your estate planning documents are very important because if you have named somebody to be your power of attorney that you're no longer married to, you're going to really want to have somebody who you trust a little bit more. Yeah, excellent. Very important. So, let's move on to this other uh topic, which is, which can be a little bit uh, difficult. For some, you know, even after we're divorced, there's still a lot of joint expenses that we share, especially when there are kids involved. What do you recommend uh, to keep track of that and also to minimize conflict around that? Well, there, there's a lot that goes into that and, and not one 
plan works for everybody. I think it really depends on the kind of divorce that you've had. If you have a divorce where you're getting along and you trust the other person to pay the bills, then once a month sending them the bill, asking them for a check, you know, may work for you. In others where there's a lot of conflict, you may want to create an escrow account where the money is put into that account so that when you have bills, you can go and get it and not have to talk to the other person, bug the other person, cajole the other person, beg the other person to be paying for these um, things. For example, you have children, you've agreed that having your ex spouse pay for college or camp or medical expenses or entertainment, you really need to have a plan for who will get the bills and how they will be paid. I've seen some divorces where they have insurance, an insurance policy, where if something happens to the ex-spouse, there's still money that's going to go to the spouse that ended up with the children and the bills so that they can pay it even if something has happened. But even when that's not the case, if you don't have a great relationship with your ex and you are afraid that you will not get paid in a timely basis, putting an escrow account where that money is going to go for the expenses and then you send either monthly or quarterly copies of the bills to the other person so that they can see where the money is going to. That's usually the best way to get around that. And we actually recently had a show with um, Jai Kasoon, who is the uh, the president of Our Family Wizard. So if this is resonating with you, Our Family Wizard is uh, an online and mobile app that not only helps you with uh, with uh, calendars for shared parenting, but also with all types of tools for handling this kind of financial interaction. So you can go to ourfamilywizard.com and check that out as well. And and that's another option. And again, this is one that really can have very high uh, conflict because when you're when you're when you go through the divorce, uh, there's there's the spousal support and the child support. The child support, you can actually go through an agency in most states. The money that is being split 50-50 or whatever the split is actually, uh, that, that goes above and beyond the extracurricular, the medical. If you're in a situation where that's a little bit more difficult to get, uh, you want to minimize the conversations between you and your spouse and create tools and uh, and methods to to have that piece happen as smoothly as possible. And so the escrow or account. Absolutely, because the, the alternative is you don't get paid and you go back to court and that just costs a lot more money. So it, it's in it's in both uh, both people's uh you know, best interest to have something set up ahead of time that both people will do, but it doesn't always, unfortunately, work out that way. Yeah, and all we can do, and this is what we always talk about with our coaching, you can only do what's within your control. You're not going to change another person or control their behavior. And so all of these tips that you're getting today from Aviva is to be able to set yourself up as best you can within your control and then you know, and then hopefully that will take care of most of the issues. The next topic uh, that I want, I would love for you to talk about, Aviva, is uh, t- 
taxes. It's an area that most of us don't even think about taxes until, you know, the new year and the spring rolls around. What does an individual who's emerging from divorce need to think about and consider when it comes to taxes? Well, that's very important. What what the first thing is, is when you get divorced. So as long as you are married through December 31st of a given year, you can file joint tax returns with your ex-spouse. If it is past December 31st and you're into a new year, you're going to have to file as a single person. And that can affect your tax rate. It is uh, sometimes much higher to file single with dependents um, than it is to have a joint tax return with dependents. And depending on who gets to claim the dependents, the children, if there are children in the marriage, then you know that affects uh, the deductions that you can take. So it's very important to talk to an accountant about taxes if you're in a different tax bracket past divorce and you need you may need to change your withholding if you're working you may need to change your estimated tax payments so there are there are a number of things that will change once you become a single person uh, that were taken for granted when the two of you were filing jointly That's on the income tax front. Is there anything else? I mean, I know that there's capital gains tax and I'm curious about tax issues around all of those other financial accounts that you mentioned. Absolutely. So there there are a number of things. The first thing is if you are going to be getting a retirement account from your spouse, there's generally a qualified domestic relations order that they call Quadro um, that recognizes a former spouse is entitled to receive a predetermined portion of an IRA or a 401k, it's usually 50% of the value. And if you do, um, they are the tax dollars that come out of there are pre-tax dollars. So it's very important to be putting those in a pre-tax retirement account. So most people will roll that into a rollover IRA. So that way they don't have to pay taxes on it. The other thing to look at is the assets that you're splitting. Sometimes a spouse will provide an investment account and the investment account has a lot of holdings in it that were bought at a much lower cost. So they talk about a low cost basis. That means if you, for example, had bought General Electric stock at $10 a share, and now that same stock is double that amount, you will have a gain of $10. So it it was bought at 10, it's currently 20, your gain is 10, and you have to pay taxes if you sell out that position. So if somebody is is getting a marital um, split that includes investment accounts, it's very important to take into account what the gains are in that account so that if you start selling it, you won't be socked with a huge tax bill. So that's another reason to sit down with somebody who's got some financial advice to be able to provide because this way they can look at the account and say, maybe you don't want to sell this right now because of the gain or you can split the gain over a number of years. So it's December now, let's sell half of it now so that you get the gain in 2017 and we'll sell half of it in January and you can put half of 
of that gain into the following tax year. So there are a lot of things to look at as far as taxes. Um, if you're selling your house, you have to look at it the same way. There's going to be a gain from where you purchased the house, then it's very important to make sure that you're getting the full exclusion that is entitled to you so that you don't end up paying a lot of taxes on the sale of the house. Yeah, and I think that just as I'm listening to you speak, it's one more example of how, you know, going through a divorce, you feel like you're paying you you paying your attorney so much, and finances are usually such a concern. You don't want to be penny wise and pound foolish. You don't want to choose not to invest in a financial expert because you don't want to spend the money. Because as Aviva's talking, it's so obvious that you could lose so much more by not. Uh, by not investing with someone who knows what they're doing. Or the flip side of that is you can protect yourself so much better by making that investment in financial experts who can really guide you in the wisest way to handle your money. So I I really appreciate that. And Karen, there's different ways that um, financial advisors and wealth managers charge. There are some that will charge just for your financial plan and then they don't do the investing. They either expect you to invest on your own or go find somebody else. And then there are firms that don't charge anything for the financial planning. And if you decide to work with them as an investor, advisor, then they make the money going forward on advising you on how the, the assets are managed and they get a percentage. So it's in their best interest for your assets to increase in value because you will make more and they will make more and you're on the same side of the table with them. Uh, the way our firm works is that second way we We have a fee for assets under management and all of the financial planning and budgeting and everything that goes on in the front end of it um, is done as part of the service. And again, you know, you've worked with so many of my clients and I know that the level of comfort that it brings for them to be able to sit down and speak to you and begin to understand their finances and grasp the the scope and depth of what they've got and what they need without that fear of having to, you know, pay more money up front is so huge. And the level of comfort and trust that that uh, they build in their relationship with you um, is is so solid and so I can really see how that's that's a win-win situation in many ways well thank you and it's also it's gratifying for us to uh, be able to get somebody back on their strong footing so that they can move forward with life after divorce Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to make sure to speak to our listeners about today? Um, Well, I think that some of the things that we've gone over as far as budgeting and planning, um, it really goes into the lifestyle analysis and where do you want to be post-divorce and where do you want to be in your future. And what people don't realize is that we're all living longer. So they have the the tables now, the actuarial tables are saying that women are living to be 93 and men just a 
few years less than that. And so if people are divorcing at a very early age, it's very important to say, hey, you know, I, I may have 40, 50 years ahead of me, and I really have to make sure that I have all my ducks in a row and make sure that my finances are going to cover that long term. So really establishing an overall plan to determine how much you'll need to retire, be able to stick to it to maximize your nest eggs, um, a mix of both pre-tax and post-tax accounts um, to consider you know, whether the financial impact of your divorce is going to change any strategies. Um, the best thing you can do is to try and plan ahead. And while there's a lot of surprises that can happen in the middle, once you put a plan together and you stick to it, you're more likely to reach your goals. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And what I'm getting out of this is, uh, for everyone listening, don't go it alone on the financial front. It really makes a lot of sense to rely on somebody who has uh, that financial savvy and understanding to help support you. And I, I want to take this opportunity to just e- expand on the don't go it alone uh, because we've uh, we've recently launched a new community where uh, it's the it's the journey beyond divorce support community and and our belief is there there's no part of divorce that you should or need to go alone and to be amongst peers and be able to talk about your fears and your concerns and to be able to ask questions to be able to access our journey beyond team of coaches and uh, be involved in group support calls and get the podcasts and articles and everything else that will be helpful in you navigating divorce with clarity, with confidence, and with the support that you need. Um, And if you're interested in that, you can go to jbccommunity.com and learn a lot more about what that community offers and what that platform is. Aviva, I want to thank you so much for all of the information that you shared with us today. I think it's really invaluable for the people who are listening in. And how can our listeners get in touch with you? Um, So our website is www.belr.com. Um, They can reach out to me directly. It's aviva.pinto at B-E-L-R dot com. That's A-V-I-V-A dot P-I-N-T-O at B-E-L-R dot com. So either one will uh, reach me. Um, If you would like to give me a call, I'm happy to take a call too. My number is 646-230-8985. And there is no question that's too stupid to ask. Excellent. Excellent. And for those of you who want to know more about Journey Beyond, we are a team of life coaches that specialize in relationship and divorce coaching. We do one-on-one coaching with people all around the world via Skype and phone. We have uh, one of the largest online platforms with resources of every type, video, audio, articles, and a huge support group that's growing daily. So if you're interested in 
as I said before, you could go to JBC Community, JBD, not JBC, JBD Community dot com, or you can go to Journey Beyond Divorce and click on our contact page and reach out to us, and we would love to connect with you and support you in whatever way that we can. So, Aviva, thanks so much, and Karen, listeners, thank you for having me. You're very welcome, and we'll be back soon. At Journey Beyond Divorce, we know that sometimes the most powerful support we can offer is to help you process the storm of emotions you're experiencing and gently challenge the beliefs that are keeping you stuck. The way Karen delivers her program is that she validates the feelings, the emotions, the ups, the downs. She hones in on the specifics that really talk to that particular person when they're going through this crazy emotional time. Let us be a beacon in the midst of this crazy emotional time. Book a free lifeline call with us to help lift the fog and begin practicing new ways of thinking, being, and doing that better support you as you journey through and beyond divorce. Our gift to you is taking that first step with you on your free Rapid Relief Lifeline call, where we help you navigate the emotional and logistical turbulence of separation and divorce. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call.